Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has all of your props, odds, promos, and parlays for the 2023 NBA Finals. Use our promo code BLEAVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Except this time, the podcast is live. It is a live podcast following game fo- game three of the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Nuggets whooped that ass in Miami. And since Denver won game three, and since Denver is now two wins away from securing the NBA championship, we told you they would win back in February. Let's debut... We were loud right about the Denver Nuggets. A montage going back to February of 2023, March of 2023, April of 2023, and May of 2023 to confirm us telling you exactly what would happen. That the Denver Nuggets would win the Western Conference. They would go 12-3 and in the Western Conference playoffs. And while the best teams in the league would be coming out of the Eastern Conference, the Denver Nuggets had just as good a chance as anyone to win the NBA championship. We were loud right about the Denver Nuggets, and after a night where Nikola Jokic puts up the first 30-point, 20-rebound, triple-double in the history of the NBA Finals, on a night where Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic put together the first-ever 30-point, double-triple-double in NBA history, There is no better time than to celebrate the fact that we were loud effing right. You know what? This is a podcast we can curse on here. We were loud fucking right about the Denver fucking Nuggets. Nikola Jokic deserves to win a third consecutive MVP, which at this point basically solidifies him as the best player in the NBA. It is indisputable that Nikola Jokic 
right now in his physical prime is the best player in the NBA. This year's Denver Nuggets team is competent. And the reason that that is the case is because the last two playoff runs, their best player, their best player in 2021 other than Jokic was Michael Porter Jr. And the problem was you can't have Michael Porter Jr. as your second best player. And while Michael Porter Jr. was out for the playoffs last year, for most of the 2022 season, Michael Porter Jr. was their second best player. And when Michael Porter Jr. was their third best player, with Jokic playing at an MVP level, they made it to the conference finals and were an Anthony Davis three-pointer at the buzzer away from giving the Lakers a run for their money in that series in the bubble. Jamal Murray has returned, and Michael Porter Jr. is the fourth best player on the Denver Nuggets now. They are the best team in the weaker conference, and I will take the next step to say that despite the fact that Boston has eight players that are ranked in, the, or seven players that are ranked in the top 100 in win shares, and despite the fact that Philadelphia has two players in the top 12 in win shares, and despite the fact that Milwaukee has Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, and potentially the return of Chris Middleton with a team that already won a championship two years ago, I will make the argument that even among those three teams, and you can put Cleveland in this group as well, potentially, even though I don't think Cleveland will get to the NBA Finals, I believe that when the playoffs roll around, the Denver Nuggets can beat one of those teams in the NBA Finals. Kyle, what you got? One, give, shoot one, shoot one. What you got? Uh, my strongest one, Denver's going to win the Western Conference and they're not going to face an elimination game in the entire three first rounds. Wow. Three first rounds. Denver wins the Western they Conference. All three rounds. Yeah, they will never face an elimination game yeah, in any round. First three, is there a fourth one? Or are we just calling no, it the finals? finals. <laughs> the finals. So they're not going to lose a playoff game in the West. They're not going to face an elimination game, so they will never oh, okay. Okay. lose three games in a series. Here's what I don't like about this. So Kyle has all the jokes, right? But he doesn't go on the record with us. Oh, so I'm happy to go on yeah, the record. Yeah, let him go on the record. Go on the record. Take, take his shots. We'll take shots at him. You, take his shots. you were gone last time, but I said Denver would go 12-3, and three, win the West, and never face an elimination game. Wow. That's looking good. What did I say about putting himself over? I don't put myself over. That is pretty good. You called me out, man. I'm just clapping back. Ooh, leaks in the so second good. round. He's clapping back. It's the second round. They're looking good. We have been loud right about the Denver Nuggets all along. Did we say that this series is going to go seven games? Yes, we did. Would it be semantics if Denver wins it in six? I think so. Call it six and a half, call it seven. But regardless, we told you the Denver Nuggets would be here. We told you that Nikola Jokic was a three-time MVP, and I think there is no better reward than the first ever 30-point, 20-rebound, triple-double in the history of of the NBA Finals. The Denver Nuggets, who, by the way, were losing pretty deep into the second quarter of this game, coming out at halftime and going on, if I have my numbers correctly in my stat book, 26-14 to 14 run out the gate in the second half. Denver getting 11 points from Jokic in the third quarter after he put up 18 in Game 2 in the third quarter. Jamal Murray putting up 20 points in the first half while taking 13 shots, came out in the second half, added 14 more, only took eight shots in the second half. Did it matter? No, it did not. 
because Jamal Murray put together 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Nikola Jokic put up 32 points, 18 rebounds, or sorry, 21 rebounds, 18 defensive rebounds, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Jamal Murray was a plus 14. Nikola Jokic, plus 14. Nikola Jokic, 24 for 20, or sorry, Nikola Jokic, 12 for 21 from the field. Jamal Murray, 12 for 22 from the field. Nikola Jokic put up a 32-point, 21-rebound, 10-assist game, and somehow he might not have been the best player on his own team. There is a real statistical case that somehow, some way, Nikola Jokic, with the first ever 30-point, 20-rebound triple-double in NBA Finals history, might have been just as good as his teammate because they basically played the same game. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, both plus 14s on the floor. Jamal Murray took 22 shots, Nikola Jokic 21. They hit the same number of shots. Both went 7 of 8 at the free throw line. Both of them had all-time historic NBA Finals games, so much so that it was the, as we mentioned off the top, it was the first ever double-triple-double with both play with both teammates scoring 30 points in the game. It is absolutely incredible what the Denver Nuggets put together, specifically in the second half of that game, where basically, and this was a dramatic, dramatic change from game two. When we did our game two post game, we, we dove deep into the fact it was a wild game of runs. It was Miami up 21-10 to start the game. Then the Nuggets go on a 40-14 to run. Then Miami goes on, I think it was a, uh, trying to remember correctly, it was a... 20 or no it was a 32 to 16 run after that and it weaved its way all the way to 66 66 it was a weird winding way to get there with a 11 point lead for Miami then a 26 point Nuggets swing then a 15 point Miami swing this game was not that this game was both teams are keeping it within two possessions until about halftime and the Nuggets went on an 8-0 run to go from down 4 to up 4. Miami went on a 5-0 run. But just like neither team got larger than a two-score lead for most of the first half of this game. And by the way, we'll get to the Miami side and one interesting takeaway that I have from that. But you're seeing Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic be the focal points of the Nuggets offense in the first half. And you're seeing Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo being the focal points of the Miami offense for much of the first half. Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler took 26 of Miami's 44 shots in the first half. If I'm doing the quick math in my head, that is about 60%. It's really like 59 point something, but it's about 60% of the Miami Heat offense is running through Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And if I'm to guess... I don't have the numbers in front of me. If I'm to guess, in the 21 playoff games Miami has played so far, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo facilitating for, uh, 60% of their offense in a single half is probably either the first, second, or third time that's happened in any of their 21 playoff games and 42 halves of playoff basketball. I'm going to guess this is either the first, second, or third time that Butler and Adebayo are getting 60% of their shots on the offensive side of the ball. So you have this Murray and 
Jokic game going on simultaneously with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler being the focal point of the Miami offense. And Gabe Vincent gets into foul trouble. Max Struess is bricking three-pointers again like Max Struess has done all series except for the first quarter of Game 2. The, the Miami Heat are shortening their bench. It's just... Caleb Martin and Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love kind of fell out of the rotation at a certain point, even though he hit a couple shots. He only played 16 minutes. Um, They were better off with Caleb Martin on the floor. Uh, It was Caleb, Duncan Robinson, and a couple Cody Zeller minutes. So they really, oh, uh, sorry, Kyle Lowry in there too, but they really shortened their bench to about eight players with six Cody Zeller minutes, which by the way, Cody Zeller was a plus four in those minutes, but they really shortened their bench, and the focal point of the offense went Butler and Adebayo. And then you get to the third quarter, and Adebayo keeps missing shots. Miami only puts up 20 in the quarter, and that's when Denver just pulls away with the 26-14 to run off the bat that we were talking about. They're up by 17 points. Even though Michael Porter Jr. has two total points in the game, they are somehow up by 17 points even though Aaron Gordon is putting up nine points at that point in the game and seven of them are coming in the second quarter or sorry in the third quarter even though he had four first half points Aaron Gordon still putting together just 11 points he was a net positive it was Jokic and Murray and it was incredible to put together that performance and just pull away from the Miami Heat and then of course you had Christian Brown with (laughs) 15 points and going seven of eight from the field, which is just hilarious. Just absolutely hilarious that that was the direction that the Miami or that the Denver Nuggets went. By the way, the Nuggets weren't even that good when Christian Brown was on the floor. Like he hit all these shots that he was taking. He put up 15 points and made basically, I made every two pointer from the field. He was seven for seven on two pointers. Even though Christian Braun made literally every two-pointer, he was a a plus two in the minutes that he was playing, and defensively, the Miami Heat started getting back into a rhythm when they started picking on Christian Braun with Jimmy Butler, and I think there was one play where uh, rotation led to a Kevin Love three-pointer, but even still, Christian Braun hit all seven of his two-pointers from the field. I think all but one of them was in the third quarter or or early fourth quarter of that game. And so Denver beat the living crap out of the Miami Heat. And, I mean, I don't know how much more there is to say other than, like, wow, Nikola Jokic had a historically great game, and somehow Jamal Murray was equally as historic as Nikola Jokic. With uh, 32, 21, and 10 from Jokic and Jamal Murray, 34, 10, and 10. I wonder if the um, the efficiency rating numbers for Game Three are out. I don't know where I, um, the where I might be able to find that for Game Three of the NBA Finals. But I'm gonna guess that the <laughs> I'm gonna guess more likely than not. Jamal Murray might have had a more efficient game than Nikola Jokic, and it's hard to quantify that because. In all the basic box score and slightly advanced box score numbers, they were basically the same player. 
They were basically the same player. Jokic, 12 for 21. Murray, 12 for 20. Jokic, 50% from three-point range. Jamal Murray, 50% from three-point range. At the field goal line, Jokic, 7 for 8. Murray, 7 for 8. Both put up triple doubles. Murray had 34 points. Jokic had 32. I mean, they were basically the same player. For most of the game, we get used to Jokic having these incredible passes and double teams that set up corner three-pointers where Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope are bricking those shots. So the Nuggets are, are the, the Heat are living more with the double teams on Jokic. But Jamal Murray had two amazing passes in that game. One where he's falling out of bounds and uh, passes it to Aaron Gordon. This is during that third quarter run where Murray is falling out of bounds And he passes it, not where Gordon is standing, but passes it where Gordon needs to be for the dunk. Like, if he throws it the slightest bit harder, it is a turnover going the other way with Kyle Lowry. I believe it was Kyle Lowry. And he dumps the ball right where Gordon needs to be. Gordon takes a shuffle and a half to the right, off the bounce, gets the ball, two-hand dunk. It was just an amazing, with, with two Miami Heat pressuring the ball on Murray, is just an incredible pass, putting it where Gordon needed to be instead of where Gordon was, Gordon catching it, and, and not throwing it hard enough that the Miami defender, who I think was Kyle Lowry, could have taken it and gone the other way. Just a beautiful, beautiful pass by Jamal Murray. That was one of the two incredible assists that he had in the game and we're so used to or we're more used to Jokic making those incredible passes and having Murray be the guy who made those incredible plays like I said it's Jokic had a 30 point 21 rebound 10 assist game and it's still hard to quantify whether he was the best Denver Nugget because I think the best you could say for this is they were both equally incredible all of their numbers are exactly the same both had 10 assists both hit 12 shots, Jokic 21 attempts, Murray 22. Both shot 50% from the three-point line. Both went seven for eight at the free-throw line. Like they, And both of them were plus 14 in the plus-minus, which other than Aaron Gordon getting one extra point in his 34 minutes was the difference in the entire game. Was Jokic, Jamal Murray being the two highest plus-minus players on the court and basically playing exactly the same game. It was just absolutely incredible to see Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic put that together. And uh, Aaron Gordon was uh, on ESPN, and he basically said as much talking about those two players. And uh, when Malika Andrews asked him about who uh, who is the best tandem in the NBA between Jokic and Murray, had a great response to it. I know you think incredibly highly of Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic. Where do you put them? I would put them top three, and not three, and not two. <laughs> They're a tough matchup. They guard. Uh, they do everything out there. Top three, and not three, and not two either. That's Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And they're up 2-1 in this series, and they were both just absolutely incredible. And in the second half, their incredible performance actually was rewarded by pulling away from the Miami Heat. Now to the Miami Heat side of things, there's real, there's one big takeaway that I want to go into for this game because basically you could chalk this up to Miami playing really poorly on offense and the fact that we talked earlier about how 
the Miami Heat were incredibly set on Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo running their offense. Again, 60% of their shots in the first half came from one of those two players. And in the uh, fourth quarter of the game, they showed a stat that said Denver, it was after one of the Christian Braun layups, Denver had 44 points in the paint. The Miami Heat had 24. 20 point difference in points in the paint through the first three quarters of the game. And at that time, the Miami Heat were shooting 30% from the three point line. And you could point to like mid-range jumpers being where they made some of those points back. Yeah, that's absolutely part of the equation. But again, the, the, the advanced analytic, and it's not even advanced anymore, it's just the basic philosophy of the NBA court and the NBA layouts is free throws, layups, three-pointers. Those are the most efficient shots in that order. And... The Den- and if Miami's not going to get any points inside and also shoot poorly from the three-point range, you can try and mid-range jumper the Nuggets to death, but you're not going to be able to beat you're not going to be able to beat the Nuggets when Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic aren't putting up 30-point double triple doubles. So the, you can mid-range jumper them to death, and maybe that's the game plan. But the the flip side of it is the Miami Heat were focused on getting Bam out of bio into the offense. Bam Adebayo, again, recorded 12 shots in the middle of the third quarter of the game, and he had 13 points. And at that point in the game, Bam Adebayo had taken six free throws. He finished the game eight for 10 at the line. But Bam Adebayo had what looked like on paper one of his better games of the series. He had, at one point, 16 points, 11 rebounds. In the first half, he had a double-double. It looked like he was on his way to a 20-point, 20-rebound game, maybe even a 30-point, 20-rebound game. He had that put-back dunk on Jokic that gave Miami the lead in the second quarter. Uh, At halftime, I have the numbers here. He had 13 points and 12 rebounds. And at the end of the game, he ended up taking 21 shots. But if you remove the garbage time jump shots, and maybe there was no garbage time because they had that weird moment where it looked like the voodoo magic was going to come out, where like they had pulled the starters because they were down 15, and then they cut it to nine, and then Jamal Murray got an offensive foul with a minute 14 to go, and you're like, oh, here comes the voodoo magic. The voodoo magic is going to come back for... Miami and Bam missed a couple shots that you might quantify as garbage time. But besides the point, Bam Adebayo took 21 shots and had 22 points. In the third quarter of the game, he had taken 12 shots and had 13 points. At that moment in the third quarter where Bam had taken 12 shots, had 13 points, and at that point, he had twenty. Uh, he had uh, eleven rebounds. He had thirteen points and eleven rebounds. Uh, this is right after halftime. Bam Adebayo had the lowest plus-minus of any player on the court at halftime. And remember, at halftime, the Nuggets were only down by five. And he had taken 12 shots, he had 13 points, he had 11 rebounds, and had the worst plus-minus of any player on the floor. And at the end of the game, he finished with 21 points, 17 rebounds, 
and had the lowest plus minus of any player on the floor. He was at minus 19. Gabe Vincent, who only played 32 minutes, was a minus 16. Jimmy Butler, who played the same amount of time as Bam Adebayo, 40 minutes, Bam was 41. Jimmy Butler was a minus 11. Bam was a minus 19, despite the fact that they played similar numbers of minutes. And Bam Adebayo being the worst player plus-minus-wise on the floor was something that stuck out to me. And this is, again, consistent throughout the game. At halftime, he had taken 12 shots, had 13 points, lowest plus-minus of the game. And at the end of game, at the end of the game, 21 shots, 22 points, 17 rebounds, still the lowest plus-minus of any player on the floor. And this reminded me of in Game 7, when we did the Game 7 post-game show, Bam Adebayo was 1 for 4 in the Game 7 in Boston. He was 1 for 4, had 5 points at halftime, and had the best plus-minus of any Miami Heat player at plus 15. And then they came out in the second half, won the game, and he finished with the best plus-minus of any Miami Heat player. And we talked about after that game, the reason why Miami was able to beat Boston is they had they had gotten their offense to a place where Bam Adebayo could just be a defensive stalwart in the middle of the paint and on the, the not the perimeter, but like the wings, uh, or like the free throw line extended. Bam Adebayo could be the anchor of their defense. He could limit Jason Tatum on switches. Yeah, especially with Jason Tatum having the bum ankle. And then the rest of the defense could just force Jalen Brown to dribble left, and Jalen Brown can't dribble left. Because of Caleb Martin's emergence in that series, they were able to have Bam Adebayo not be a part of their offense and expend his energy being the center of what they were doing on defense. And they came out in Game 3, and they had Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler as the focal point of their offense. Jimmy took 24 shots, Bam took 21 in the first half, They took 60% of the shots for the Miami Heat, and it was a terrible strategy. A terrible strategy because Bam Adebayo being your second best offensive player is not going to get you anywhere. And Miami might be better off with Bam just being the the quote-unquote Robert Williams of their team. And that's wild to think about, not because Bam isn't a, a good offensive player. Like, Bam can score... In in spurts, he's shown games where the mid-range jumper transforms their offense because it adds a new dimension. They drop a double in, kick it out, corner threes, floor spacing, all that stuff. Like, all the classic coaching stuff that I don't want to dive too deep into. But Miami is better off when they have a number two better than Bam Adebayo on offense. And then Bam Adebayo can just be the focal point of what they're doing on defense. In a similar way to how in the 2021 NBA Finals, Drew Holiday became guy who just concentrated all his energy on guarding Chris Paul and basically just took Chris Paul out of Game 4 and Game 5 of the NBA Finals. That's what they need for... uh, Sorry, Game 3 and Game 5 of the NBA Finals in 2021. That's kind of their best bet with Bam Adebayo. And when it was Caleb Martin against the Miami, against the Boston Celtics, Caleb Martin almost won fi- uh, Eastern Conference Finals MVP because him being the second scoring option allowed Bam Adebayo to just be a defensive threat. I, I think the evidence is clear. The Miami Heat are better off with Bam being defense guy, 
leaving offense to everyone else. But the other question is, can they afford that with Gabe Vincent trying to be the number two like he was in game two of the series? Can they afford that with Caleb Martin coming off the bench because he's not a good of matchup against the length of the Denver Nuggets? Can they afford that with Max Struess now being, and I'm doing the calculation, if you take out the first quarter of game two, Max Struess is now... 1 for 16 from the three-point line. Can they afford that without having a true number two beyond Jimmy Butler on offense? That's kind of where the the weight of this situation is playing in for the Miami Heat. And look, Gabe Vincent was a huge part of what they were doing in game two to be able to win that game. And they got the half of a Duncan Robinson game like we were joking about when he scored 10 points right out the gate in the fourth quarter. Like, maybe the Duncan Robinson game was their savior. But in the Eastern Conference Finals, the reason they were able to win was Caleb Martin was allowed to be their number two so that Bam Adebayo could just be defense guy. Just be defense. Don't worry about scoring. Don't worry about taking shots. Just be defense guy. And I think the evidence is kind of clear. Miami's got to, like, bail on trying to get Bam Adebayo involved in the offense because their best chance of winning is Bam Adebayo concentrating all of his energy on trying to play defense. It's not even defense guarding Jokic. It's just playing defense, period. Be guy who catches a lob, uh, maybe takes a mid-range jumper or two here and there to keep them on their toes and keeps the floor spaced a little bit. But Bam's got to be taking like six or seven shots or or 10 shots compared to 21 and being defense guy because the evidence kind of bears itself out. They are better off when Bam is not the focal point of their offense. And that's really interesting to think about because, I mean, that shouldn't be able to win, right? You shouldn't be able to win with Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent, being your number two scoring threat against Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray being their two scoring threats. Like, that shouldn't be able to work. And yet it has throughout the playoffs for Miami, and we even saw it in Game 2 when it's Gabe Vincent giving you 21 points, when it's Duncan Robinson 10 points to start the fourth quarter. That's the better game plan, getting the rest of the guys involved, and one of them just has to give you a 25-point game. Just one of the other guys has to give it to you. And even if Jimmy's only going to get 28 points or Jimmy's going to take 25 shots and get 32 points, like even if that's their go-to option on offense, they got to get someone other than Bam as the number two scoring option because their best bet of winning games in this series is just Bam being defense guy, being closer to Robert Williams than being closer to whatever version of Bam out of bio people imagine when they think of an all-star center who could have made all nba this year who made all all nba defense but was almost an all nba player because of him being one of the better two-way players on the floor they might be better off with him not being a two-way player or at the very least being guy who catches lobs and takes four foot hook shots in the paint more than he is guy who they're drawing up plays for on offense in the mid-range and even guy who's dribbling and posting guys up, they they just they'd be better off making him Robert Williams. That's kind of wild to think about. So uh, we'll see what the adjustments are coming into Game Four. We'll see how Miami's offense looks. We'll see if they have a maybe Gabe Vincent getting in foul trouble changed the game plan there. And Gabe Vincent didn't have a good game even when he was on the floor. He was two for ten from the field. I mean, no one other than Butler and Bam had a really good game. I mean, Duncan Robinson hit fifty percent of his three pointers, but. Two of those were in garbage time. So, 
I mean, no one really had a great game offensively outside of that for Miami because, again, they we said it earlier, they got outscored 20 points in the paint and were shooting 30% from the three-point range. So at that point, you could try and mid-range jumper the Nuggets to death. And like I said, that's not even going to win if Jokic and Jamal Murray aren't putting up double-triple-doubles. So we'll see what ends up happening in the next game. We appreciate you stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast post-game show for game number three. Uh, We'll be back at it probably for a Wired Up later on this weekend because we got game five on Friday. Or sorry, game four on Friday. So we'll talk to you then. Enjoy your night. And uh, in, in the meantime, take it easy. And bask in the glory that we were loud right about these beautiful, beautiful Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic deserves to win a third consecutive MVP, which at this point basically solidifies him as the best player in the NBA. It is indisputable that Nikola Jokic, right now in his physical prime, is the best player in the NBA. This year's Denver Nuggets team is competent, and the reason that that is the case is because the last two playoff runs, their best player their best player in 2021 other than Jokic was Michael Porter Jr. And the problem was you can't have Michael Porter Jr. as your second best player. And while Michael Porter Jr. was out for the playoffs last year, for most of the 2022 season, Michael Porter Jr. was their second best player. And when Michael Porter Jr. was their third best player, with Jokic playing at an MVP level, they made it to the conference finals and were an Anthony Davis three-pointer at the buzzer away from giving the Lakers a run for their money in that series in the bubble. Jamal Murray has returned and Michael Porter Jr. is the fourth best player on the Denver Nuggets now. They are the best team in the weaker conference and I will take the next step to say that despite the fact that Boston has eight players that are ranked in or seven players that are ranked in the top 100 in win shares and despite the fact that Philadelphia has two players in the top 12 in win shares and despite the fact that Milwaukee has Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, and potentially the return of Chris Middleton with a team that already won a championship two years ago, I will make the argument that even among those three teams, and you can put Cleveland in this group as well, potentially, even though I don't think Cleveland will get to the NBA Finals, I believe that when the playoffs roll around, the Denver Nuggets can beat one of those teams in the NBA Finals. Kyle, what you got? One, give, shoot one, shoot one. What you got? Uh, my strongest one: Denver's going to win the Western Conference, and they're not going to face an elimination game in the entire three first rounds. Wow, three first rounds. Denver wins the Western three Conference. Wins all three rounds. Yeah, they will never face an elimination three game rounds. in any so round. First three is there a fourth one, or are we just call no, it the finals? The finals. <laughs> so they're not going to lose a playoff game in the West. They're not going to face an elimination game, so they will never oh, okay. Okay. lose three games in a series. Here's what I don't like about this. So Kyle has all the jokes, right? But he doesn't go on the record with us. Oh, so I'm happy to go yeah, on the record. Yeah, let him go on the record. Go on the record. Take, take his shots. We'll take shots you, at him. You, take his shots. you were gone last time, but I said Denver would go 12-3, and 3, win the West, and never face an elimination game. Wow. That's looking good. 
What did I say about putting himself over? He said he doesn't do that last <laughs> hour. I don't good. put myself over. That is pretty good. You called me out, man. I'm just clapping back. Ooh, leaks it's the so second good. round. He's clapping back. It's the second round. They're looking good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.